This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles once again to John chapter 15. We're in the middle of a series that we've uh, taught many, many times here at the church. It's something that really I need to teach once a year, but I don't get around to it, to be honest with you. My uh, series seemed to go forever. And so oftentimes I don't get back to certain things that I, that I need to and would be good for us to, to hear over and over and over again. This is one of those series that you can't hear too much. Steps to Answered Prayer. Now, there are many different kinds of prayer that the Bible tells us about. But there is one specific type of prayer that the Bible talks about is the prayer that receives from God. It's known as the prayer of faith. In John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Notice it's conditional. He didn't just say if you're a Christian, if you love God. He said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, notice that, uh, and we, we say this over and over again. Notice how many times the word you is in this verse. So many times people think that, that answered prayer has to do with the will of God. But the Bible indicates to us, Jesus is telling us, if he, if he told us the truth, Jesus is telling us that you getting answers to your prayer has more to do with you than it does God. Now, the reason for that, and, and when you say that, some people will get offended and, and misunderstand what you're saying. But notice the conditions Jesus said were necessary for answered prayer. If you abide in me, that means relationship and fellowship. You're walking with the Lord. I don't think anybody's uh, prayer life is very successful if they're not in fellowship with God. Most of the surveys that they do, or at least have done recently about Christians who pray and versus the uh, percentage of Christians who have ever received an answer to prayer is staggering. Nearly every Christian says that he prays, but less than half of the ones surveyed say that they've ever gotten an answer to prayer. Something's not right there. Well, I don't think God's missing it on his end, do you? God never changes. So the answer must be on our end. So one of the conditions is if you abide in me. He's talking about in fellowship with God. Not only being a child of God, but walking in fellowship with him. But the second condition is if, you, if my words abide in you. Now if his word abides in you, you're not going to be asking for things that are outside of his will. Because God's word is his will. And the condition of answered prayer, one of the conditions of answered prayer, is for the word of God to abide in you. Or in other words, for his will to be known by you. Then he said, under those conditions, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. God can trust you with asking for your will, your needs, your desires, your wants to be met when his word abides in you. I don't think pleasing God is, is some narrow little lane that, that you just barely squeeze by and, and can just barely get through. Pleasing God is easy. It's all dependent on his word. So he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Notice verse 8. Herein, in other words, by you receiving the answers to your prayers. Herein is my father glorified. Notice God's not glorified when you're barely making it. God's not glorified when you're suffering. God's not glorified when you're 
beat down by the circumstances of life. Jesus said, herein, you getting your prayers answered, you asking according to your will and receiving the answers to those prayers, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Now, the fruit that he's talking about here is not good works. He's talking about the results of the previous, of the action in the previous verse. He's talking about prayer fruit. He's talking about prayer results. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God is glorified when you get your prayers answered. God wants your prayers to be answered when you abide in him and his word abides in you. And notice he says this. He said, so shall you be my disciples. The church should be known by their answered prayer. Now, that doesn't fit the surveys. I mean, for Christians to be identified as rarely, if ever, less than half the time getting an answer to prayer, that's not showing that we're disciples of his, is it? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Now, we've uh, identified four steps that are necessary for answered prayer or to get an answer to your prayer. And we've gone over the first two steps over the last couple of weeks, and we want to cover step three today or at least start on it. Step number one is decide what you want from God. You need to be specific about what you're praying for. Decide what you want from God. And then you need to find scriptures that promise you those things. Now, remember the, the qualification Jesus mentioned is, is, is if my word abides in you. Well, how is his word going to abide in you if you don't know from the word of God what his will is concerning your desire or your request? Decide what you want from God and find scriptures that promise you those things and get those scriptures on the inside of you, not just in your mind, but in your heart. You're going to have to meditate in them. Joshua 1.8 talks about making your way prosperous by meditating and doing the word. He's talking about using the word of God to fill your heart and to fill your spirit to make it a part of you so that you can get the results that it promises. Then the final part of the step number one is be ready to use those scriptures against the devil when he comes because he will. He will. He'll try to rob you of everything that Jesus purchased for you. So you have to prepare yourself for the fight. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Now, the eternal life he's talking about there in 1 Timothy 6, 12 is not salvation in the sense of, of being saved. There's no fight of faith to get saved. It's a very simple process. You believe that Jesus died on the cross and was raised again from the dead for your benefit, and you confess him as your Lord and Savior. There's no fight of faith to that. Besides that, it would be foolish for him to talk to Timothy, who's already saved, filled with the Spirit, and in the ministry about how to get saved. Well, what does he mean then when he talks about laying hold of eternal life? And why does he make a connection between the fight of faith and laying hold on eternal life? Because he's telling us that everything that Jesus purchased for you as a believer, everything that Jesus purchased through his death, burial, and resurrection, the shedding of his blood, is going to come to you through faith. It's the only way it can come to you. Jesus purchased healing for us by taking stripes upon himself. Well, that healing belongs to you. But you're going to receive it one and only one way, and that is through faith. And there's going to be a fight attached to that. And if you're not willing to fight, and if you're not willing to fight effectively according to the rules that the Bible lays out concerning faith, 
then you're not going to lay hold on the blessings of eternal life, which include healing, prosperity, peace, and so forth. There's a fight attached to it. Well, too many people are going into this, and every Christian is in a fight. Not every Christian acknowledges they're in a fight, and certainly not every Christian is prepared for the fight. But every one of us is in the fight. We're going to have to resist the devil. We're going to have to overcome the devil. We're going to have to work diligently according to the rules that the Bible lays out to take hold of anything and everything that God has provided for us through Jesus. Well, the more preparation you can put or make to prepare for that fight, the more effective you're going to be in winning the fight. That's why you have to find the scriptures that promise you what you want from God. That's why you have to make them a part of your spirit and not just a part of your mind. That's why you have to be ready to use those scriptures against the devil when he comes. Now, the second step is the prayer itself. That's over in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus tells us how the prayer of faith works. Step number two is ask God for what you want, what you found scriptures that promise you. Ask God for what you want and believe that you receive those things when you pray. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Why don't you look with me over to Mark chapter 11 because we want to see both the 23rd and the 24th verses related to our subject this morning. Jesus has just changed the circumstances that affected him. He found a fig tree that should have been producing fruit, looked like it was producing fruit, looked like it would be fruitful, but it just had leaves on it and no fruit. So he cursed it. He commanded it to wither and dry up from the roots. He said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Next morning, the disciples and Jesus comes walking by that place and find that the fig tree is dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. There must be a question implied there. He must be asking from Jesus' response. He must be asking, how'd this happen? But Jesus, who's operating as the God's representative here on the earth, seemed to understand that the earth is here And everything in the earth was here to provide for mankind and not the other way around. So Jesus says, have faith in God. He's explaining how he changed the circumstances. Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, it works for whosoever's. Now, if you're a whosoever, it'll work for you. Notice he didn't say the special ones. Notice he didn't say this works for me because I'm the son of God, but don't you try this. He said, whosoever, so it tells us it's a principle that applies to everybody. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. So it doesn't just work on trees, it works on mountains. Now I don't believe that God's really interested in us rearranging the geography of the world. I don't see how that's going to really make a big difference to us. Of course, there are some countries I'd like to see fall into the ocean. (laughs) Never thought about it from that standpoint, but nevertheless, I digress. He's talking about things that look bigger than you seem to be able to handle. Things that would seem to be impossible. He said faith will work even on those things. 
Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Notice the qualification he puts on it. And shall not doubt in his heart. But instead shall believe. Well, if he's talking about doubting in his heart, must be talking about believing in his heart. But instead shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice what is, what's uh, required of you to believe. In order for faith to work for you, you're going to have to believe that your words come to pass. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. You exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Then he tells us about the prayer of faith in verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, because faith works by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth, in other words. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Sounds like a pretty wide range of things. What things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them, meaning the things you desire, and you shall have them, meaning the things you desire. Now everybody's question about faith is when. That's what everybody's problem is. Any, if you offered people an opportunity to ask questions about faith, 99.99% of them is going to be about time. When is it going to happen? Well, Jesus told us something about when. But notice he didn't tell us about when regarding the results. He told us about when regarding the believing. Now, there's a reason for that because the results are not your responsibility. The results are the responsibility of a principle that God set in motion that cannot be changed. And the principle of faith is just as real, in my opinion, more real, and just as true, in my opinion, more true than the law of gravity. You can expect the law of gravity to work every day, can't you? You can expect the sun rising in the east every day because these are principles that God set in motion. They're things that God established and man can't change them. Well, here's another principle that God set in motion. If you believe that your words will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. That's a principle that cannot be changed. The devil can't change it. God won't change it. And man can't change it. So what are we to do? Well, notice what Jesus told us because of that principle. Here's how time works. Therefore, I say unto you, again, verse 24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, when you pray, that means while you're praying, believe that you receive them, the things you desire, and you shall have them. 
You believe, you receive when you pray. Not when you see it, not when you feel it, not when it looks like it changes. Jesus believed the tree was as good as dead the day before the disciples ever saw it withered and dried up from the roots. Now that brings us to step number three. You've decided what you want from God. You've found scriptures that promise them to you. You've got those scriptures, made those scriptures a part of your heart and prepared to use them against the devil when he comes. Step number two is to pray. Ask God for what you want. Believe you receive them when you ask or when you pray. Step number three is where the prayer fight starts. The devil may hinder you or distract you a little bit when it comes to deciding what you want and putting the word of God on the inside of your heart. But he can't really stop you from doing that, so all he'll do is just harass you a bit here and there. He doesn't really bother you too much when you pray, other than maybe a little bit of needling. You don't really think this is going to happen and so forth. But that's not where he does his work. Step one and step two, he leaves you pretty much alone. Step number three, after you end your prayer, after you say amen, that's where his fight and his battle begins. Step number three is very simple. Keep your heart from doubt. Notice in verse 23 of Mark chapter 11 again, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. And shall not doubt in his heart. Here's where the prayer battle consists. Here's where the devil's work really operates the most strongly. And that is, he will work overtime trying to get you to doubt. Now he's talking about doubt in his heart. What is doubt in his heart? If we don't define our terms, then we won't know how he's going to operate against us. Well, faith is of the heart, and the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that means if you believe in your heart, you're going to be saying according to what God's Word says. If you believe God's Word, if you put God's Word on the inside of you, then you're going to speak in line with what God's Word says. That's faith exercised from the heart. Well, then what's doubt of the heart? Doubt is to speak anything contrary to God's Word. It's to speak anything according to what you see and feel. Anything that contradicts the truth of God's word or what you prayed for. Now, the important issue when it comes to doubt in your heart is your words. But your words are governed by your thoughts. You speak according to what you see. I want to let that sink in. Because every one of us thinks something. Words create pictures. God made us to have imaginations. It's a part of our spirit. And so your words are affected by what you see. Now, for example, if you're worried about something, if you're worried about losing your job, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you. It doesn't matter what's going on with somebody else in their job or their situation or whatever. If you're worried about losing your job, then you're going to start talking about losing your job because it creates a picture. Those thoughts create pictures on the inside of you. That's the reason why the devil speaks to your mind. He's trying to create thoughts on the inside of you that contradict God's word so that you'll speak in line with those thoughts. So let me give you some information about your thought life. Here's the, here's the goal. Let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you asked for. That's what creates and produces successful prayer. Let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you asked for. Never permit a mental picture of failure to be in your mind. 
That's what the devil will do. He'll show you pictures of you failing. You're going to have to remove those pictures. If doubts persist, and they will, rebuke them. Call them by name. Say, doubt, I resist you in Jesus' name. Destroy every image, every vision, every suggestion, every feeling, and every thought that does not contribute to what you believe. Now, I want you to look with me to, uh, to a couple of scriptures. Notice Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Well, let's just start reading at verse 3. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. In other words, he's saying no matter what's going on around you, no matter what hindrance, what physical hindrances are, are in front of you, no matter what the problems is that you can see and feel, that's not really your problem. That's not the thing to fight against. Because every spiritual, every physical hindrance and problem has a spiritual solution. Jesus didn't fight against the fig tree. He cursed it. He didn't complain about the fig tree. He cursed it. He didn't go get a chainsaw to remove the fig tree. He cursed it. He realized that there was a spiritual solution to the physical problem. So Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, and we all do, we don't war after the flesh. Well, then where is our fight? We know that we're in a fight because Paul told us to fight the good fight of faith. So where is the warfare? Where is the fight that we're involved in? Notice he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning not natural, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what strongholds is he talking about? Well, he's got to be talking about the work of the devil. We wouldn't be pulling down God's strongholds, would we? That'd be a waste of time and counterproductive too. So the pulling down of strongholds he's talking about are the strongholds of the enemy. Now, folks, there's all kinds of teaching out there about spiritual warfare and, and so forth and so on. And most of the spiritual warfare teaching that I'm aware of is about doing battle with the enemy in prayer. And somehow or another, you're going to change the devil's power, the devil's demonic set up the principalities and powers and so forth through the prayer that you pray the effective prayer that you pray now if that were true this would be a perfect opportunity for paul to describe how we can pray and change the devil's organizational setup because he's telling us that we have spiritual weapons our weapons are not carnal they're weapons of warfare but they're not carnal they're not natural they're not physical but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Well, if they're not natural, if they're not physical, then they've got to be spiritual. What are these spiritual weapons that undoes the strongholds of the strong places of the enemy? The, the strongholds of the enemy are places where he has set up his defenses to keep you from advancing into the things that God has provided for you. It's his line of defense to stop you from gaining access into what Jesus has already provided. So Paul says we've got spiritual weapons. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're not physical. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, to the removing of those defenses. Well, if you remove those defenses, then you can go forward into everything that Jesus has provided. You can win the fight of faith and take possession 
of everything that Jesus purchased. Do you understand the point? Well, what are those strongholds? Where are we to attack? What are the weapons that we have been given and what are the strongholds that we're supposed to overcome? Notice verse 5. Well, we'll read it in, in context. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How do we do that? What weapons do we have to do that with? Casting down imaginations. Folks, the biggest fight you're ever going to have with the devil is not out in the spirit realm somewhere, somehow. The biggest fight you're going to have with the devil is not going to be in prayer, trying to undo or unloose or unhinge his organizational structure. The biggest fight you're ever going to have with the devil is between your ears. It's in your mind, casting down imaginations. Notice the strongholds are the wrong thoughts that have produced the wrong pictures, pictures of failure and defeat instead of victory. Those are the strongholds that we're to overcome, and those are the strongholds that keep you from receiving and walking in everything Jesus has provided. So we've got spiritual weapons to cast down or to to pull down strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, folks, I want to tell you something right now, and that is if you do not have the ability to bring every thought into captivity, then God lied. And so many times people want to put it off on the devil or some special attack that's coming against them. But the Bible says you have the ability, the means, the spiritual wherewithal to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of God's word. In other words, you can think in line with God's word if you choose to do so. You can think thoughts of failure instead of thoughts of defeat. You can think in line with what God's word says is yours instead of, oh, I can't do it. It's too big for me. You can do it if you will do it. Now, for whom is the Bible less powerful than the devil? Is there any situation where the devil is more powerful than God's word? Well, doesn't God's word say that you can do it then? Well, then what excuse can we make for not doing it other than we decided we didn't want to? Now, I've had some people say, well, Pastor Mike, that's just too hard. Well, okay. How do you respond to that? It may be difficult. It sure is difficult when you first start out. But it's doable. So let every thought, every desire, affirm that you have what you've asked for. Think in line with God's Word. Jesus defined the prayer of faith by saying, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't let your circumstances take you away from believing and confessing what you prayed to receive. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
Folks, you can determine right now, this day, that you'll never have another prayer go unanswered. Your prayer life is not supposed to be hit and miss. It's supposed to be a sure thing every time. And if you follow these steps to answered prayer, it will be. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.